Welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you for everyone who's joining us online. Blessings to you. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord and worship God together. We're in a series of messages that's titled Unstoppable, Unstoppable. And it really, the, the title reflects the fact that the unstoppable nature of the church that Jesus is building. And our, this phrase is kind of helping us uh, with this series of messages. It says, the church is unrelenting. There's nothing that will overcome it. There's nothing that will stop its advance. It is unstoppable. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of, uh, of hell are not going to even stand against it. Nothing can prevent the movement and the church in its growth and potential. And it's absolute, that is absolutely true. While that's true, while that's true, there's another truth that we must not overlook. Are you ready? Here it is. The church is not perfect. Okay? The church is not perfect. And so, but what we're going to talk about this morning, here's the title. The church you've always wanted. While the church might not be perfect, I do believe that we all have this sense of what we would love the church to be. We're going to talk about that a little while this morning. Charles Spurgeon, great, great preacher of the, of the 19th century. In fact, he's just called the Prince of Preachers. He wrote, he said, if I, if I had never joined, listen to this, if I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I should never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I became a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. And it is such a truth. There is no such thing as a perfect church. Just isn't. Why? Because, because I'm here. I'm not even going to talk about you. I was going to talk about me. Because we're, we're imperfect people. We're, we're fallible folks. We get together and we enjoy the presence of the Lord, but it's not, there's no perfect church. It's just not, it's just, there is no such thing. I've shared on numerous occasions that I grew up in a pastor's home. And I, I look back at those days with incredible fondness, great memories, great people, and in really, in virtually every way, shaped me for a life of pastoral ministry. Growing up in a pastor's home, I experienced kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly of pastoral ministry. And even, even though I did, God still saw fit to point me in this direction. And I said, okay, and here we are 40-some years later, grateful for everything that God has done. But I think about that congregation of people, great congregation, great congregation, great people, great memories. It was never a large congregation of people, but it was a group of folks that were not perfect by any stretch. They were not perfect. But I'm telling you, great things occurred in that community of faith. And I want to share this because it's really important for you to hear this and for everyone joining us online as well. If you're looking, if you're looking for a perfect church here at Crossroads, you have not found it. Okay? There is no perfect church. The church is a group of people gathering together around a common cause. 
And that's the cause of Christ and what he has called us to be and called us to do. And I'm gonna, I, I hope that I'm in these next few moments and kind of unpack the church that you have always wanted. On the day of Pentecost, we, we talked about this last week, the day of Pentecost, about 120 people were gathered together. And by the end of that, that incredible event, there were 3,120 people who are now part of the church of Jesus Christ. In response to that, the aftermath of that, this is what we read now in chapter 2 of Acts, verse, beginning at verse number 47. So look at it with me if you would. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, I pray that you'll speak life to us from your word, encourage us, and let us discover together the church that you've always wanted, that you've always wanted, and that we always want as well in Jesus' name. Amen. Seven things about the church you've always wanted. Number one, they devoted themselves to the right things. They devoted themselves to the right things. And this is really important. There are some things that are more important than others. And you can see that as this group of people gather together, they devoted themselves to the right things, the things that are of greatest priority. And there are four of them. The first is this. As a church, we must be devoted to the proclamation of God's word. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. This was a group of people that were absolutely locked in on biblical proclamation. We see that. Amos chapter 8, verse number 11 says, The time is surely coming, and listen to this, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. It is so interesting to me that the prophet Amos says very clearly that there's a time coming when there's going to be a famine for the word of the Lord. It's just not going to be as available. And I never want to be a part of a church or lead a church that does not put at the center its focus, the proclamation of God's word. It is what is life-changing for you and life-changing for me. They were devoted to the right things. And so the church that you've always wanted is devoted to the apostles' teaching, is devoted to the proclamation of God's word. You see, when Amos talks about hearing, it's far more than just being aware of words or concepts. It goes far deeper than that. It is careful attention, careful attention to the word of God that leads to obedience. You see, the proclamation of God's word is one thing, but it, ha it makes a difference in us. The scriptures are very clear. It says it's, it's like a sword. It, it cuts to the very, the, between the bone and the marrow. It, it goes right to the heart. It makes a difference in our lives. That's the kind of church that I want, and I believe it's the same that all of us desire. So they're devoted to the right things, the apostles' teaching. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says the time will come when people will not listen to true teaching, but people will find more and more teachers who please them. They'll find teachers who say what they want to hear. People will stop listening to the truth, and they'll begin to follow the teaching of false stories. Being devoted to the teaching of God's word, hearing and obeying, What's going to do? It's going to clear the debris of our lives, the debris of our minds, and give us a focus on the right things. The second thing, 
they're devoted, as a church, we must be devoted to fellowship, to fellowship. The word in, in the New Testament language of Greek is the word koinonia, koinonia. And it's, it just has the basic idea of sharing, intimacy, community. It is so important that we're devoted to fellowship to one another. I say this from time to time, and I'll say it again from time to time. You need me, and I need you. We need each other. That's the family of God, the community of faith, the brotherhood, brotherhood of believers. There's a lot of different phrases that are used, but we need to be devoted to community. I found this a, a few years ago that I thought was really interesting. Listen to this. It takes three minutes for a first-time guest to decide whether they like Crossroads Church. What these friends need is security with a smile. It takes three visits for a first-time guest to commit to regular attendance. What these friends need is a connection with meaning. It takes three months of regular attendance to commit as partners. What these friends need is to know that they can make a difference. And listen to this one. It takes three years for a committed attendee or partner to know whether they will stay or move on. What these friends need is to know that they're empowered and they have made significant relationships. That's the definition, as I would call, as being a welcoming church. It is my hope that we would always be a welcoming church. That within the first three minutes, if this is your first time in the house, you're going, man, these people are kind of glad that I'm here. They're smiling at me. That's incredible. You know, you go out on the streets, you don't see a lot of smiles, do you? You see a lot of opposite of that. You see a lot of people not making eye contact. God forbid that it ever happens in the church. To be a church that we've always wanted, we need to be devoted to fellowship, to the fellowship. Being a welcoming church is a matter of the heart, not just a change in actions. It's a matter of our heart. And I believe that if all of us embrace that, Man, we're on the right path to the church we've always wanted. First Peter chapter 4, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. The third thing that we need to be devoted to as a church, we must be devoted to the breaking of bread. Now, we just did that a few moments ago. And so really there are two thoughts to this. First, it really emphasizes the priority of the cross. As a church, we must be focused on the cross as being central to who we are in worship. 1 Corinthians 1, the message about the cross doesn't make any sense to lost people. But for those of us who are being saved, it's, the, it's God's power at work. You see, the cross shows the seriousness of our sin, but it also shows us the immeasurable love of God. It is so important that we focus on the cross as we did a moment ago. The second thing is the regular participation in communion, which we just did, and we do that on a monthly basis. For every time you eat this bread, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And then also, as a church, as a church, we must be devoted to prayer, to prayer. 
We do 714 prayer on the first Saturday of each month. We did that yesterday. That was a delightful time. I invite you on, on the first Saturday of July to join us for prayer. For about, it's about a half an hour. We pray for needs. We pray for our nation. I have a bit of a kind of some thoughts about prayer on my Facebook page. So join me. Be my friend. I'd love to have that opportunity to share with you. But also two times a year we do 21 days of prayer. We do it in August. We also do it in January. We're, we're doing, we are moving in the right direction of being more and more devoted to prayer. Not just as a church, but individually we, be, we need to be devoted to prayer. First Chronicles 16, look to the Lord in his strength always. Seek, seek in his strength, seek his face always. First Thessalonians 5, pray continually. And in First Timothy 2, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority that, listen to this, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Oswald Chambers said the prayer, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. These are things that as a church that we've always wanted, that I've always wanted, and I believe all of us do, these are the things that we need to be devoted to. The second thought about the church we've always wanted, it's a church that creates a sense of wonder. A church that creates a sense of wonder. Now, I'm going to have a little full disclosure here in just a second, so get ready. Ready? One of my favorite movies is The Incredibles. Okay. You say, buddy, you just lost me. Or you just went, sweet, it's one of my favorites too, and I just have been afraid to admit it. I I love the film. It's It's just delightful in every way. Well, there's a scene near the beginning of the movie when, and if you don't know the movie, this is a spoiler, but oh well, big deal. Um, it's an older film now. But anyway, Bob Parr is kind of the, one of the central, he's Mr. Incredible. He's the big guy in this. He's Mr. Incredible. And he can no longer do his superhero stuff. And it's frustrating to no end to him. He wants to be a superhero. He can't do it. So he has in this dead-end job. He doesn't like it. He's frustrated all the time. His little dumpy little car doesn't work the way it wants to. Well, he comes home one day and he parks in the driveway and he's just frustrated with the day. And there's this little kid sitting on a tricycle right by him. And Bob looks at this little kid and he says this, he says, what are you waiting for? And the little boy answers back something amazing, I guess. And Bob says, me too. Yes, I use that for this reason. When's the last time we've come into church with the idea of, I'm waiting for something amazing? The sense of wonder, the anticipation for what God will do, not just what he can do. We know God can do anything, but what he will do at that moment. I am absolutely certain the church that you and I have always wanted has a sense of wonder about it. We cannot wait to get into the house of God because God is going to do something amazing. If every one of us came into this place with that expectation in our hearts, lives would change, your life would change, this community would change. Why? Because God shows up where we expect him to show up. God does great things when we expect him to do great things. Maybe we're just not receiving all that God has for us because we're not anticipating what God wants to do in our lives. I love this fact that when you read in Acts chapter 2 that they were all filled with awe 
Everyone was filled with awe at what was occurring around them. Please understand, Jesus is present with us in this place right now to save, to heal, to bring peace, encouragement, restoration, help. Jesus is here. Do we understand that? Do we understand it, that Jesus is here? In the very, right where we are, he is here with us. That is an amazing truth. Psalm 16, listen to this. You fill me with joy in your presence. Did you come expecting joy today? Listen to Luke 5. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. Did you come today with an anticipation to be healed in the name of Jesus? Revelation 1. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. In other words, overwhelmed in the presence of God. You know something? I think it's perfectly okay to walk into this place believing that I am going to be overwhelmed with the presence of God. Come in anticipation of that. I believe that's the church that we've always wanted. You see, that's, that's an awesome, that's an awesome opportunity. I want to come into this place ready to be amazed. I want to come into this place with wonder. God, what are you going to do in our lives today? I can't wait for everything you have for me. Let that be your prayer. The third thing is the church that I've always wanted, that we've always wanted, is a church where miracles happen. It's a church where miracles happen. You'll notice that the text says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Miracles were happening, and the result, there was a result of awe within the people's lives. A miracle is simply an event that involves the direct and powerful action of God, transcending the ordinary laws of nature and defying common expectations of behavior. Miracles are extraordinary occurrences that can only be attributed to the supernatural work of God and demonstrate his involvement in human history. Let me be absolutely clear to everyone in the house today and everyone joining us online. I believe in miracles. I believe that God is able to do miracles in your life. I believe that God can do the impossible. What others believe are impossible, what others believe that were for just a past age, I believe that God is still at work among us today doing miracles. And I'm going to continue to believe that until I have no longer any breath to share I believe in miracles. Billy Graham said something really significant. He, he said that a transform, a, a, the transformed life is the greatest of all miracles. Every time a person is born again by repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ, the miracle of regeneration is performed. The greatest miracle of all is people coming to faith in Christ. I also believe that there are great miracles available for you, no matter what it is that you might need today. I'm convinced of that. Matthew 19 and verse 26, what seems impossible to you is never impossible to God. And that is so important. And I, so I'm just, for a moment, I have been wrestling in my mind and spirit on how to handle this moment but I'm going to do it as I sense in my spirit that I need to do it. Okay? Right now, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. If you need a miracle, I don't need to know what it is. God does. You need a miracle? 
Now, once again, an event that involves the direct and powerful action of God transcending the ordinary. There you go. You need a miracle from God? What I want you to do right now, I want you to just stand up right where you are. Just stand up where you are. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God wants to do something miraculous in your life right now. In Jesus' name, we just simply come before you, Lord, and we give our need, the desire of our heart, the miracle that is on, on the horizon for us. We are accepting, we are receiving what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, do miracles in this place beginning right now. I pray, Lord, a spark of the power of God would rise up within us and do the miraculous within us. Not for anyone's glory, but for your glory, honor, and praise. Jesus, do a miracle, heal, restore, provide, encourage, do everything in our lives, all that we need. We are believing this morning that you will do, you will transcend the natural and the supernatural will become an absolute reality in our life. For that we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. And believe for it. Believe for it. You can be seated. You can be seated. I believe that's a church. I believe that's the church we've always wanted. Right? Don't we want to come into the presence of God and just be blown away by what God does? Amen. Yes, I believe we do. Also, it's a church that's extremely generous. It's, an ex it's a church that's extremely generous. During 2020, 2020 was a, oh, yeah, it was what it was. Okay, it was just a, it was a year. I was going to say that. It was a year. Okay. It was special. It was very special. Uh, I, you know what was so cool? is that our benevolence fund, which is the fund of dollars that come in from, from donors that are set aside to help those who have needs. I want you to, I want, I want you to, I want to tell you something. In 2020, our benevolence fund set records of the amount of money we had available to help people. And not only did it set records to help people, we were able to help people in extraordinary ways. I give God praise for that. You see, you see, it's a generous church. This church in the New Testament, when you're reading about in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, it was a generous church. They were, they were finding people, they were giving everything to those who have need. They're just making sure they were taken care of. Man, I love that. I love the fact. I love the fact that Circle of Care is a part of the ministry of Crossroads Church. I'm telling you, the amount of people that we've been able to help that speaks to generosity, not to ourselves, but to others. Care portal. I think it was last week or the, I think it was last week before, we've already, we built 60, I think 60 beds for, was that right, Jason, about 60 beds? Okay, we built 60 beds for um, foster care families throughout Southern California, Riverside County, uh, Orange County, wherever they're needed. We built 60 beds in basically a day is what we did. Just last week, we gave 20 of those beds away just immediately. So we helped 20 families who did not have a bed. And I could go on, whether it's Circle of Care, Care Portal, Convoy of Hope, reaching out to those who are less privileged and, and, and in the midst of disasters. I believe the church that you have always wanted is a church that's generous. Not a stingy church that holds everything close. You know, I want to tell you something. 
Basically what we do with our finances, let me tell you what we do. We manage them well. Okay, I'm not saying that for me. I'm saying that for the board. We manage them well, but we basically give everything away. Okay? We're not, yeah, we're going to be fiscally prudent and financially sound, yes, but we're going to give what God gives us away. Why? Because we want to be generous to those who do not have the means. If we can provide it, that's what we want to be able to do. Amen? 2 Corinthians 9, remember this. I love the way that starts. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't, be, don't, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Amen? And God will generous, I love this, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty to share with, plenty left over to share with others. That is so good. That is so good and so true. If you haven't already, would you join us in this journey of generosity? It is an extraordinary journey and one that will be a blessing to you. Brad Forms has said this. He said, generosity isn't a dollar amount. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. God's been generous to us. He sent his one and only son for us who gave all. I think it's just an appropriate response for us to give back out of a heart of generosity, responding to his generosity. Also, the church that you've always wanted, it's a church that worships. I love worship this morning. I love worship every time we gather together. I, there's something about worship that is just so liberating to the heart and to the soul in every respect. As I mentioned, I, I grew up in my dad's church and we certainly were a church that worshiped. Uh, we, when we, when my dad planted the church, <clears throat> we were starting, we had a Sunday, we had Sunday school, we had Sunday morning, we had Sunday night, we had Wednesday night and we had Friday night. So you can see how it shaped me to do what it is that I'm doing. And we worshiped. I mean, we really did. We had the neighbors calling on us at times because we just got a little too loud and they couldn't figure out what this what this little Pentecostal church was doing in this neighborhood, and they didn't know what was happening. They thought a bunch of nut nutcases had showed up, and that, that was okay, and we had a great reputation with our neighbors and as time went on. But we worshiped, and I love the fact that the worship is such an important part of who we are as a church. And there's so many differing experiences that I had, and, and I wonder what worship might look like in the future. What I do know is that what worship looked like that we read in Acts chapter 2. The first thing is that they met together continually. That's the first thing they did. They met together continually. They they met in large settings, whether it was the temple courts, or they met in small settings, whether it was in the home. But the key point is is that they met together. I, I made this statement last week, and it's important that I make it again. As I really do believe in its importance. On the day of Pentecost, God's spirit was outpoured in extraordinary ways. But if you recall, between the time that Jesus was resurrected and the time that Jesus ascended was about a 10-day period of time. There was a 50-day period of time from the time of his resurrection and the time of the outpoured Holy Spirit. In that 40-day period, 
380 people disappeared because there were about 500 who saw Jesus in, the res- in his resurrected state between his resurrection and his ascension. But then there were 380 folks that just disappeared. There were 120 in the upper room who received the outpouring of the Spirit. I believe it's so important that we're in the presence of God, that we're in this place for that very reason, because I never want you to miss out on what God has. You say, well, Gary, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, stop. Is this the only place that God works? Of course not. It's not what I'm saying. But I do know this. When we walk in those doors with anticipation and expectation, God's going to do something miraculous when we are together in his presence. That's what I long for in your life. That's the church that I've always wanted, and I believe you do too. Scripture's expectation that believers physically gather is not arbitrary. It is designed for our spiritual survival. And, And friends, understand, as time moves forward, we need to be together more, not less. Not less. That's why we stress life groups. That's why we stress being in worship. Hebrews chapter 10, I use it a lot. And let us consider how to stir up one another for love and good works, to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together is, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. As we, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't underestimate the value and importance of gathering here in this place or in homes because it's vital to our spiritual health. We gather, listen to this, we gather then in order to mutually encourage one another and we encourage in order to mutually endure. Do you understand that? Being in this place, for me to see you encourages me. And you better say the same, for me to see you, I'm encouraged too. It goes both ways. But not only does it encourage us, it helps us endure. Because we know that we're walking this journey of faith together. The power of togetherness cannot be overstated. We need each other. I've read this before. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Ron Edmondson said, I've never seen decreasing attendance lead to increasing devotion. It doesn't happen. It's not how it works. They not only, they met continually, but they also met joyfully. They met joyfully. And, you know, there's something, there's something about that. There's something about the joy of the Lord being our strength When we gather together, yeah, there's going to be times where there's going to be serious things talked of, talked about, and, you know, challenges put forward. Yeah, I I know that. That's going to happen. But it doesn't take away, and it doesn't diminish the joy of the Lord in our lives. We gather together. We meet together joyfully. One of the very last times, probably it might have been, I'm kind of reflecting, the last times I spoke with my father prior to uh, to his death, he had been in the hospital because of a, a surgery he had had, but he had a stroke connected to that surgery. And he was having difficulty talking. Uh, and he was in his hospital bed, and I'm, I'm, it, was a Saturday, it was a Saturday night. Sunday's the next day, and I'm preaching the next day at, at his church. And, uh, he, and he said this to me. He said, Gary, he says, I, I so want to be in church tomorrow. He says, I want to be there. I want to be there. I'm telling you, this was a man who lived to be in the house of the Lord. He loved the church of Jesus Christ. And he worshiped joyfully. 
It should never be a difficult thing for us to worship. It should be something that we just cannot wait to get to, get to this place and to lift up our voices in praise unto God and to worship him joyfully. And I tell you, no matter what might be going on in your life, to worship God joyfully sweeps all of that away and restores our soul, our mind, and our spirit. Psalm 122 says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. An unstoppable church is a church that worships joyfully, joyfully. And also they met sincerely, sincerely. It's authentic, it's being authentic. It's coming together with an authenticity. I'm telling you, our world is looking for authenticity. John 4 says, it's not, for it's not where worship, that, for it's not where we worship that counts, but how we worship. Is our spiritual is our worship spiritual and real? Do we have the Holy Spirit's help? For God is spirit and we must have help to worship as we should. The Father wants this kind of worship from us. A worshiping church is one I've always wanted. Also a church that I've always wanted is a church that has the favor of the community. You might be familiar with this little icon, TripAdvisor, TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor is something you can, we just did this, we were on vacation, so we went to TripAdvisor to find certain things that might help us, whether it's a restaurant or a location or something, and give you good reviews. There's another little thing called Yelp. Familiar with Yelp? Right now, our rating on Yelp as a church is 4.5. I think we can do better than that. So go on Yelp and, you know, and give us a 12, okay? Give us a 12. I'm teasing. No, I'm not really. (laughs) So the point being is when I look at a 4.5, that's pretty good. What does that tell me? That we have the favor of the community. TripAdvisor might not talk about trip, but the point is, is that they list things that are important and they, they, they rate those. You see, they have the favor of the community. I desire, and I believe you do too, that the church that I want, the church that you want, has the favor of the community. We've already talked about Circle of Care and Convoy of Hope and Care Portal. I believe that those are things that set us in a, in a place where we have the favor of the community. I heard this phrase years ago, and I think it is so very significant. If your church ceased to exist tomorrow, would anyone know or care that it was gone? I pray that if Crossroads Church disappeared tomorrow, people would be driving up and down the street saying, where is that church? They helped me. I don't know what's going on. I pray that never happens. But understand, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, the ones who please the Lord will ask, when did we give you something to eat or drink? When did we welcome you as a stranger or give you clothes to wear or visit you while you were sick in jail? The king will answer, whenever you did it for any of my people, no matter how unimportant they seemed, you did it for me. I want our church, and I believe you do too, to be known for doing good, for doing good. In fact, that's one of the phrases that we talked about in our climate change series. Jonas Dickerson wrote in his book, Hope of Nations, he said, in a world where Christians are labeled as bigots or backward, we'll be known for doing good, serving the least of these, and loving our neighbors. Let that be what characterizes us as a church. And then finally, church that I've always wanted is a church where lives are changed, where lives are changed. You read in the last part of this, this portion of scripture, and the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. What a powerful thought. Can, you, can we believe for that today? Can we believe that every day people will come to faith in Christ? I do believe it will happen when I invest my life in family and friends and neighbors and coworkers. You know, this is not someone else's responsibility. This is my responsibility. 
It's our responsibility to do this together. And you know, the longer that I serve Jesus, the fewer non-believers I know. Because my whole life is focused around those who are believers. I understand that. But it, it, it's incumbent upon me to be better at investing and inviting those who don't embrace faith as I do. It's all of our responsibilities. And, and I love the fact of life change happening in this place where lives are changed. I'm believing for that. When someone come, becomes a Christian, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he becomes a brand new person. They're not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That's the church I've always wanted. So as we close today, there's one last phrase for you. The church I've always wanted, the church I've always wanted begins with me. The church I've always wanted begins with me. It's not a matter of pointing fingers at somebody else. Well, you know, if you would do this, then it'll happen. If you would be that, then it'll happen. No, it begins with me. It begins with me. And if we can all embrace that, I believe that what will occur is that we'll have the church, that Crossroads Church will be the church we've always wanted. So as we close, I want you to look at this last slide. <clears throat> and really, this is the way I re that we respond. I put it all there for you, and I want to encourage you. If you have a smartphone, you can take it out and take a picture of it so that you can remember it. It's, a, it's an ABCs is what it is. Okay, it's an ABCs. Acknowledge, believe, commit, dedicate, and engage. In these particular seven areas, the areas that we just walked through, think about it. If I will make a decision to acknowledge, believe, commit, dedicate, and engage with each of these in increased devotion, God help me be more devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, to prayer. Lord, help me be expectant in wonder. God, I pray that when I walk in this place, you see, it's acknowledging that, but it's also believing it. It's also committing to it. It's dedicating myself to it. It's engaging with that. And then it's supernatural miracles. Continue to believe for the miracles that many of us stood up and said, I need today. Believe for that. Trust God. And when it happens, let somebody know that God did a miracle in your life. That will promote the awe, the wonder that we are all so desperately desiring. Be extremely generous. To acknowledge it, believe it, commit it, dedicate, engage with it. Passionate in your worship. You see, remember the church that we've always wanted begins with. Let me try that again. That was a little slow. The church that we've always wanted begins with me, not somebody else, me. So when we engage here, we come, we say, God, I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth. Community favor. All of us can invest in the favor of our community, in, the favor, in the, having the favor of our community. By how we live our lives, understand something. If we come into this place and we meet joyfully, we meet somebody at the door with a smile on our face, we engage with somebody, we encourage somebody, People are going to walk out of here and say, I'm read the, just read some of the reviews about Crossroads Church on Yelp, and that's exactly what you'll see. Friendly, kind, engaged. I want us to be that even more so, and then finally, lives will be changed. Believe for that with each of us. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Help us, oh God, as a church, to be the church that you've always wanted. And then, Lord, the church that we want. Let it align with you. A church of the miraculous, yes. Expectant, yes. Life change, oh, yes. Worship, Pat, yes. Generosity, absolutely. Wonder and awe, yes. Let it be so. God, I thank you 
that we have an opportunity in partnership with you and your spirit to build the church. You're building it, but Lord, we come along in partnership with you. We do as you ask us to do. We live as we should live. We acknowledge you as Lord of our lives. So let it be so, we pray. Let us be the church that we've always wanted to be, but also the church you desire that we would be in Jesus' name.